0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, an NFC Championship Preview edition. Yes, I said NFC Championship Preview edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard, along with Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com. And that's right, Scott, I was typing in the title for this podcast, NFC Championship Game Preview. And I was thinking back to midseason when I was like, man, we don't know if the Bucks are even going to make the playoffs we thought they were still yeah. but you know let alone win two playoff games be one game away from the Super Bowl pretty surreal to be saying that and be having this conversation today on the podcast
1: yeah, it really is and uh, you know I, I tell you I appreciate that Cartier yeah I mean it, it's it's really cool because I've been doing this for 25 years John and we've only been to this stage three times mm-hmm. 1999, 2002 and then here in 2020 and it worked out really well one of those years should have worked out well both of those years if the bucks had any offense or if the referees could have determined what a catch was for that Bertie Manuel reception in 1999 maybe things would have been a little bit different uh, in buckland but you know what i'm feeling pretty good about this buccaneer team i uh, we talked about the last uh in the last podcast about the parallels the the psychological parallels between beating the bully in philadelphia the the team that was it was like um just that that hill yeah. you had to climb over, correct? Right? That mountain you had to climb, and and they finally did that in, in two thousand two, and that's what made the Super Bowl for me a little anticlimactic because I had no doubts in my mind they were going to win the Super Bowl. Now, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing here: five straight victories by the Saints over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, some of which were in humiliating fashion, like that right. last game, thirty-eight to three on Sunday Night Football. But John, once again, I think they've climbed the mountain. And uh, with with the, the type of confidence they can take, not just from beating the Saints in New Orleans on Sunday, but mm-hmm. also beating the Packers, although it was a long time ago in week right. six. I don't think this Buccaneer team is afraid of Aaron Rodgers come Sunday night.
0: They might be the only people right now because Aaron Rodgers is terrifying. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah, of him. Exactly. But you're right. The Bucks defense might not be. They have a lot of confidence right now. They are they're playing with an edge. There's no question about that. The Bucks are playing with a confidence, even when the game plan isn't perfect and the execution isn't perfect. That has not seemed to wane in over the last two weeks. And so uh, it's encouraging to say the least for sure. We've yeah. got a lot to break down. We'll talk about Vita Vea. we'll talk about what we heard from players and coaches
1: today. Yeah, but Douglas O'Connor says, Where's my Celsius coming from?" was gonna Let's say go.
0: that's right, it's all brought
1: John how about that we got we got a little uh fight action in the Celsius uh, spot there which is really cool new Celsius commercial for you guys and as you know as John just said this podcast the Peter Report podcast energized by Celsius Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy and what I love about it, John, yep. what's that
0: we both got the jackfruit today
1: yes yep jackfruit yeah, I'm actually having this one tomorrow. I had an orange today, like you saw in the commercial orange. there. had an orange uh, out in the, in the car driving back from Orlando, and uh, I'm going to be hitting this for my workout tomorrow, Celsius Heat. And uh, the cool thing is, John, I got a great text from my daughter, Ellie, out there in Manhattan, Kansas, where she's going to school. You right. know what I got her, John? What would you get her? I got her the Celsius Variety Pack from oh. Amazon. You yes. know what I I went to pewterreport.com. I clicked on the banner. That Celsius banner took me right to Amazon, Wow! and, and I said, Ellie, I'm going to buy you a, a, a case of Celsius. Uh, what kind do you want? What flavor? She's like, I don't know, Dad. What kind do they have? I'm like, oh my gosh, they've got so many flavors. So I went ahead and I ordered her the Celsius variety pack, and I said, text me all the flavors that you get. She said, orange, cola, watermelon, grape, raspberry, grapefruit, peach, apple, Fuji pear, wild berry, kiwi guava, strawberry guava, and peach mango. And she says, I'm so excited to try them all. So why don't you be like my daughter, Ellie, right? Why don't you go to, to the Peterport.com website, click on the Celsius mm-hmm. banners, go to Amazon, and then order a variety pack. Or if you know which kind you like, order there and buy in bulk and save money. So uh, and if you want to buy them locally, go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, and find a Celsius distributor near you.
0: Sounds good to me, Scott. I am I'm loving the jackfruit. I have actually, I still haven't had one that I dislike. Somebody DM'd me today and they said, What flavor should I try? I'm stopping at the store today. It was just a, a Bucks fan. They were like, What flavor should I try of Celsius? And so I was giving them some suggestions, but it's all deadly. So if you get a chance to pick some up, I'm telling you, man, good I've stuff. talked to so many people yeah, that are sure. like, I never tried this and now I'm like totally yeah. hooked. And, um, and the best so thing fun.
1: about it, John, is as you know, um, no sugar. And that means no crash. So you get the boost of energy without that crash a couple hours later.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right, Scott, uh, let's start with the question because we're going to talk about Vita Vea anyway um, yep. anyway. And today was just a walkthrough. So we don't, there's not a whole lot to say other than that. Bruce Aaron said he looked fine there. He said about three weeks ago is when he knew that the the, the Veya might have a chance, how hard he was working, saw him running and stuff like that. And he knew that he was going to have a chance to get out there. So, you know, everything's, Looks good so far, but, you know, next couple of days will be even better indicators. We'll have to see uh, what all he does, and, and um, we'll get to talk to some people, I think, Thursday and Friday, so it'll be nice. Um, and we'll we'll have to just kind of monitor his progress and see what he does. But Douglas O'Connor wants to know, could Veas return actually hurt the Bucks' chances? Big brain theory here, Douglas O'Connor. <laughs> Completely stopping the run, forcing Rodgers to pass more. <gasps> this is actually a funny conversation. If you're on the locker room app, by the way, I encourage you, Get that locker room app. Uh, yes. If you have iOS, you do it. Download it. It's awesome. We talk Bucks football. We get on there, and there's there's like been a group of us. There was like twenty of us on there the other night, I think, mm-hmm. and we're just chatting about the game. And fans, you can you can literally like ask to speak, and you like just we just converse about the game. We talk about your observations. I see you ask you can ask questions if you want, and it's really fun. So get the locker room app, um, and you you should be able to uh, to get in there and. Join us on that, on those. We do them before the games and halftime of the games. And then I have one on Tuesdays too, Tuesday evenings. Uh, on my Bucs briefing column comes out in the morning. Uh, but anyway, we talked about this topic of, is it actually n- a negative fo- thing to be great against the run because you force teams to pass more? And I was talking with Hayden Winks of Roto World about this the other day. He does a lot of analytics mm-hmm. and fantasy football stuff for them. And he was telling me how the Bucs, I think, have the highest you no know, neutral pass situation rate in the league. So in other words... When the game isn't out of hand, this takes away when the game's out of hand, two-minute drills, um, those kind of kneel downs, takes away those kind of things. And it just looks at neutral situations in the game. So nothing's decided right. or anything like that in the game at this point. You know, Not third and longs. It takes third and longs out because obviously you're passing those downs. Um, so it, it takes those out, and it just looks at neutral situations. Teams pass against the box in neutral situations yeah. more than any other team in the league. And <laughs> we don't know what passing is. Typically, I mean, the numbers show us that passing is typically more successful than running. So there is some backward effect to it that's interesting. I think there's a lot of other things to say on the other side of it. We don't need to get down that rabbit hole too much. But suffice to say, that part doesn't matter as much for this game. Having Veya back is great because of the pass rush. They may stop the run, period. That's what the Bucs do. They stopped it without Vita Veya back in week six. But the pass rush, Scott, isn't that where he can make an impact? And if he has a small percentage of snaps, I think the pass rush is where they really should use him.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and and really, what that does is it helps out Devin White tremendously. I mean, not only can Vita Vea push the pocket and drive the center back into um, you know Aaron Rodgers' lap, but at the same time, what it does is it allows Vita uh, Vita Vea allows Devin White um, a, a wider lane to get through because it he he just engulfs the center, yeah. and uh, it's not like the center is going to be able to slip a, a block by or a, a rush by Vita Vea and, and, uh, and then pick up Devin white, um, uh, Vita Vea can consume any center in the league all by himself. And I just think that that really helps him. If you remember, Devin white had a sack of Aaron Rodgers in that game. So I, I think it, and of course, Vita Vea wasn't playing that game. Right. Um, but I just think it makes, it makes Devin white uh, even more of a deadly blitzer uh, in those situations. Uh, uh, maybe Devin White would have had two sacks in that Green Bay game had Vita Vea not hurt his his ankle the week before in Chicago.
0: Right. Yeah. No. For sure. It's uh. It's going to be. I mean, I think obviously very helpful if he can come back. But I think even more so for those passing downs because they have one of the best guards in football in Elton Jenkins, and Vita Vea yep. would be facing Elton Jenkins in his normal position, and that's a matchup that the Bucks need to be able to challenge a little bit more. And yep. I don't think. The other guys looking at how Jenkins handled Donald. I mean, Donald was obviously a shell of himself in right. that game, but still I think that uh that Vea would give him all he could handle. Um yeah.
1: and, and you he, know what, I, I'm not terribly impressed with Corey Lindsley. I'm not saying he's he's a, a bad center, yeah. but I don't know that he's an elite center. Right and, and then Lucas Patrick might be the weak link there. Um, uh, although Rick Wagner at the right tackle, um, you know, he's he, he's probably the weakling, just because he's a, a replacement of a replacement. Really, yeah. Think it's
0: crazy. That. I mean, it, they don't even have guy Like you know, other. I mean, Elton Jenkins is probably their best player at left guard. But yeah, right they, now, with mean, sure. Ricky yep. Wagner and Billy yeah, Turner. And these guys have yeah. I mean, Ricky Wagner started for a long time in the NFL, but he was never a dominant player or anything right. like that. And you yeah. know, same for Billy Turner. Like, if this game is going to be won, in my opinion, Scott, it is with pressure. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I right. think. This to me is a completely different game plan from a rush perspective, from a front front seven perspective than the Saints game. The Saints game, I would not have blitzed it that much, and Bulls didn't blitz that much. And I think it was yeah. smart. I think that and that game was all about condensing the windows down and making the Saints making Drew Brees throw into those windows. And I thought they did that perfectly. But against the Packers, that's not the, it's not the same thing. If you rush four, you will die. I mean, you can look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Uh, throughout the season, I was reading an article, a great article over at the Athletic. Uh, Ted Wynn and Shale and Capadia, uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name, last name right or not, but they did an awesome article on the previews this game. So go over to the Athletic and check it out if you have a subscription. If you don't, I would get one because it's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. But it, it emphasizes how much the bucks blitz when Aaron Rodgers was uh, in the last game against Aaron Rodgers. I think they blitz like something like 40-some uh, percent of the time or something, if I'm remembering right. It was, so it was a lot in that game. And this is what they write about Rodgers. Having said that, blitzing Rodgers is the right approach. One, right. because that's what the Bucks do, and there's no reason to get away from it. And two, because that's how teams have had the best success against Rodgers. He's produced zero point, or 0.19 EPA, so expected points above average per play when blitzed, according to True Media and PFF. Rodgers yep. gashed opponents when they rushed four or fewer producing a league-best EPA per play. Mm -hmm. Packers' offensive line has been too good, and opponents haven't had success pressuring Rodgers. In fact, the last time that Rodgers was sacked on a blitz, was week six against the box, So yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not saying it's going to for sure work, but yeah. I'm saying it's your only recourse in the game. Right. Well, and, and he got sacked twice that game.
1: Levante David had a sack and then also uh, Devin White. So right. both of these exactly. guys got home in that game.
0: And right. David was in on a second one in that game, you know, with, with yeah. JPP on a twist. So right. you have to challenge the Packers offensive line. Like I said, I know that they've played well and they're well coached. But I don't look at this line and see elite players. And I think that the Bucs can win these matchups. They did it last time. I know teams haven't done it throughout the year. There's a couple reasons why the Packers love to max protect. They love to use play action. There are hiccups to it for sure. But -hmm. that's why I think rushing or blitzing and even having man coverage behind it is the answer in this game. You can't let Rodgers get comfortable back there. And you definitely can't let him improvise and create outside of structure. Otherwise, right. you're cooked. Uh, early well, in that game when the Packers scored 10 points, remember, it was the Bucks couldn't contain and they couldn't right. get to him.
1: And remember, back to air, got hurt in that game and didn't yes. finish the game. Ricky, Ricky Wagner came in at left tackle, and that's that's who Jason Pierre-Paul got his sack against. And then he got a sack um, – actually, no, he got a sack against Billy Turner. on the right
0: was, Yeah, it's some type of twist. And then
1: though. he split yeah. a sack against Ricky Wagner – uh, with Levante David on the left side, if my, if, or actually on the right side, if mm-hmm. my memory serves me correct. Billy Turner played right tackle in that game. Jason Pierre got him there. Now Billy Turner's going to be playing left tackle, uh, probably against Jason Pierre-Paul. And Turner really struggled that game. He gave up six pressures, including that sack. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. Bucking your Bruce asks, uh, will we get cream sickle uniforms next season for a couple of games? That all depends on the NFL's rule. With the one helmet if they, and and there was some talk about them changing that for 2021. Uh, It's all about concussion protocol. The NFL wants, wants the the players to have one helmet because two helmets, I guess would open up the door to allow maybe more lawsuits. If somebody got a concussion wearing the alternate helmet. So I don't know. I I think the league should look into it and and make Mm -hmm. that change and make the guy sign a waiver or something. I don't know. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of dumb, I think, just to have one helmet. I mean, especially in college where...
0: Well, why don't they just paint the helmet, the same helmet, different color? I mean, no. not the exact same helmet, but just equipment. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's got to be manufactured like paint. So, I mean, yeah. it, you can't just all of a sudden take everyone's helmet and then ship it off. Right. I mean, like then,
0: a new shipment, same like brand of helmet, I mean, but like a new shipment with like... But, co- but it's, it's not out.
1: the same helmet. That's that's the thing. And like, oh. you look at college, right? I mean, gosh, Oregon, how many helmets do they have, right? I mean, they got
0: yeah, that's what I mean.
1: I, ones, yeah. White ones, black ones, silver ones, and all that stuff. It's yeah. not, it's not a, an issue there, but it's an issue in the NFL, apparently. So I'd like to see it. But obviously, some teams can pull it off. Like the Bears, they can go throwback. The Packers can go throwback because they keep the base color of the helmet. The Buccaneers, yeah. obviously, they can't go Buccaneer Bruce with the white helmet because they've got a pewter helmet so
0: right interesting yeah uh Shay wants to uh ask uh John it sounds like the Bucs were running on first down so often because the defensive look the Saints were giving does that give them a pass I mean situationally maybe it would but I mean there's plenty of times where the Bucks are running with seven or eight in the box um you know and they, and they may be even numbers you know in the box I right. mean seven defenders seven blockers and you know I Again, I think I've said kind of like how I feel about this. Like I think in a game situation, you can argue with a one-game sample size. Although they did it against Washington a lot too, but it was so successful against Washington, and they still threw the ball really well against Washington. Right. You know, so I, I was was less of an issue, but this was overwhelming. I mean, four. I think it was was it Hoswy Juke maybe that said the other day like it was four passes in 19, in 19 runs um right. and obviously but but you're right the game situation so again i don't want to make too much out of it but i do think if, if it happens against the packers you're you're going to be in trouble now i'll say this with kind of an asterisk too in this game scott yeah. and i'm going to talk to ted Win will be our guest tomorrow on the podcast uh, from the athletic yeah he's yeah. he like i said he wrote the preview he's been just grinding bucks tape so he has a lot to say i sent him like a list of stuff today and he was like that all looks awesome so we're gonna have some good conversation topics tomorrow. He's one of the most insightful people, I think, that covers football anywhere. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about is running the football. Like, does right. it make sense for the Bucks to run the football on first down if Green Bay is giving some of the looks they gave the Rams? Because the, the Saints were still – like, they wanted the Bucs to run the football for sure. That's definitely part of it. Right. But they, they were really defending the run pretty well throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was like an 11- and 12-year run, but they – That wasn't, they didn't lose the game because they couldn't stop the run. That wasn't why they lost the game. They lost the game because of four turnovers. Packers aren't going to have four turnovers, I'm sure. Well, I didn't think the Saints would either. So, but I think at the same time, it's kind of like a situation where you have to keep them more off balance, would be my guess. The Packers aren't necessarily inviting, well, they may be inviting you to run, but it's not the same way the Saints are. I don't think the Packers are going to have the same success the Saints are. I think the vulnerable. Saints are
1: much better run defense. Just with yes. right. and, I mean, they were the fourth ranked rushing uh, defense coming into, or I should say, by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And and the Packers are really kind of middle of the pack. So I, I do think there's some opportunities there. Remember, Ronald Jones uh, rushed for over 100 yards and two touchdowns against Green Bay last time. Uh, again, you know, uh, past success is is not an indicator of future success necessarily. Uh, you can just look at the Saints games compared to right. what happened Sunday and, and see there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that just from a personnel standpoint, I think that that the Packers concern me more rushing the passer than they do stopping the run in terms of their personnel. You mm-hmm. look at Sean Gary, obviously Zedary's Jenkins, I'm sorry, um, Zedary Smith um, and Kenny Clark inside. He, he's not, you know, a dominant pass rusher. He's not no Aaron Donald by any means, but I mean, he, he can certainly um, apply some pressure and push the pocket as well.
0: Right. Yeah. This, I mean, yeah, I think that the way the Bucks come out personnel wise, Scott, is actually going to dictate a lot of this, right? Like yeah. Yeah. Pa- how do the Packers match the Bucks when the Bucks are in 12, right? And the Bucs have two tight ends on the field because the Bucks love to operate out of 12. They love to run yeah. it out of 12 and they've been thrown out of 12 and not only 12 remember it's Joe Haig and it's Rob Gronkowski or Joe Haig and right. Cambray sometimes. So that muddies things up even more. If you're Green right. Bay and you want to play nickel and dime like the Saints did, yeah, you, that's fine. But the Packers don't have Malcolm Jenkins and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson right. who play like linebackers. Yeah, So it makes it a little bit trickier. Uh, Although, you know what? I do, you I want do to like their up.
1: safeties. I do like Adrian Amos. Yeah. I do like Darnell Savage. I think both right. of those guys are good.
0: But they're but, both more deep safety guys yeah. than they are box guys. Yes. Where Jenkins and CJ and CGJ are yeah. you know the kind of guys that are gonna thump. R- I mean, they don't even hesitate for a second in their run fills. I mean, right. it's like boom, straight down, you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, so I mean, there's a play, actually, I almost clipped it for Leonard, uh, but I, I left it off because <laughs> he played well. But there's a play where Leonard bounces outside, they wash the whole line down, and there's no force defender to the right. Yeah. People might remember this from the game. I didn't clip it. Otherwise, I'd show it. But they, he he literally has wide open. I mean, he is 10, 15 yards of grass probably before he gets yeah. 10 yards at least. And he – Malcolm Jenkins comes across the field, and, and it's a good play. But if Leonard just ran away from him, but Leonard stops his feet like he's going to try and ram him, I don't know why Leonard did that. He still makes curious <laughs> decisions in the open field. But Malcolm Jenkins came literally all the way around. I mean, you would have never – thought. if I put the still image up, you never thought he had a chance at the play. And he holds him right. to a three yard gain on the play. So <laughs> it was actually the first play of the of the two minute drill drive that drove right. me nuts. But I think that those kind of things the Saints do with their safeties and their DBs are not normal. For I don't think that's normal across the NFL. Right. So that's where it gets interesting because the Packers inside guys are like Will Redmond and Chandon Sullivan, and like those guys aren't the same caliber player. Not yep. that they're not good. Obviously the Packers are doing something right, but. They aren't the same caliber of player. So I do think the Bucks being able to run the football is important in this game. Right. And when they get the advantageous looks, you've got to be able to block it up. I'm going to be honest, Scott. Ali Marpet did not play great against the, the Bucks. No, I saw PFF trade. Or against yeah. the Saints, I'm sorry. I saw PFF's grade for him, and I was like, Get out of here! I rewatched <laughs> the game, and I was like, That was probably the worst game I've seen from him all season. Like, yeah, God, I, David Onyemata gave him issues, <laughs> right? I mean, that guy's a tank, <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. There's no doubt about it. He's, yeah.
1: he's 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 quite uh quite good. And we're talking about you know, Green Bay uh not being suited to stop the run. I don't know what you want to make of this. If holding Derrick Henry under 100 yards, he had 98, was uh was was a, a win, they the Packers certainly couple of weeks ago in the snow poured it on 40 to 14 against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, no slouch opponent, right? I mean, Tennessee is a good team. Derrick Henry was held to 98 yards on 23 carries 4.3 yard average. But for a guy that could break off some big runs, his longest gain of, of the game was, was 10 mm-hmm. yards. Uh, they, they gave up a 45 yard run to a scrambling Ryan Tannehill. We know that, you know, Tom Brady won't even get four or five yards, much less 45 yards. Sure. Right. But, um, But, you know, I'll tell you, on the other side of the the ball, the Packers' ground game really concerns me. It it just does. This is a three-headed monster. Going back to that game, that was A.J. Dillon's best game against Tennessee. 124 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones had a a big-time game, 10 carries, 94 yards. Against the Packers – I'm sorry, against the, the Titans, the Packers ran for 234 yards and two touchdowns oh and by the way Aaron Rodgers also threw for four touchdowns and 214 yards and and I think that's what Bruce Arians was alluding to today when he was talking about um the play action is the Packers can run the ball and that just makes play action even more effective uh if 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 you have a legitimate running game you don't need to run the ball to have an effective play action passing game Right. right the motion alone is enough to cause that hesitation but When you do have an effective ground game, like the Packers do, in any given week, it could be Aaron Jones, it could be A.J. Dillon, it could be Jamal Williams. They've got three capable guys. And if you go back to that game in week six, boy, Devin White did a number on Aaron Jones, uh, his worst game of the season, 10 carries, 15 yards. He did score a touchdown that game, but he averaged 1.5 yards doing it, John. It was Mm -hmm. the only uh, touchdown for the Packers that day. A.J. Dillon, five carries, 31 yards. He averaged 6.2 yards a pop. Jamal Williams, four carries, 34 yards. He averaged 8.5 yards per pop. So uh, the Packers were not in position because the Buccaneers had an amazing second quarter. Remember, John, the Bucs were down 10-0. Right. They scored 28 points in the second half. All of a sudden, it's an 18-point lead at halftime. Mm-hmm. And then they they tacked on 10 more points. So it really took away some some opportunities especially in the second half where the packers could run the ball but they still ran for 94 yards and a touchdown and a 4.5 yeah. yard average which that's higher than the buccaneers allow so i think if, if tampa bay really wants to to neuter the packers ground game you got to mm-hmm. get a big lead on them and make yeah, sure I mean- them throw the ball
0: that was an interesting game because I felt like the Bucks played the run really well, and they gave up a twenty-five yard run early in the game, and on like one of the first drives, the second drive of the game, I think, and that was on. Okay, so that run was on a split zone with a fake jet, with a fake jet coming across. Yeah. The reason that run happened is because Devin White got out of position. He chased the jet when it wasn't his responsibility. Yeah. He took the eye candy and they ran right in his gap, right. and and he left Levante out to dry. Now. White has matured since then. The Saints tried to get him with Jets all game. They tried to get him with all kinds of stuff. He didn't fall for anything. Um, and so yeah. I'm encouraged by his progress. But also, Devin White played awesome in that game. When they he went did. outside zone and cracked toss and there wasn't the yeah. deception, I thought this, the Bucs handled it really well. I didn't think the Bucs got beat up up front at all. I thought yeah. it was misdirection stuff that got him. So
1: yeah. no, you're right. And De- Devin White in that game had 10 tackles, including right. three tackles for loss. Right. As he well he played the right. run.
0: Second half. In addition to a sack. Right. So I think – I say this to think because you've seen the Packers once, hopefully the deception – you're a little bit more ready for the deceptive things. And hopefully Devin White's matured a little bit as a player enough to make those kinds of plays more consistent. And then late in the game, they had a 20-yard run when the Bucks had like a five-man box. Yeah. when they were down when the Packers were down it was like mid-fourth quarter they were down like yeah. 20 I mean it was like 38 to 10 right and they right. ran the ball and I think it was just like what like and so they yeah. kind of you know so but yeah it was um I think they match up well with what the Packers typically do but the Packers have lots of deceptive elements that take away that kind of that kind of advantage that the Bucs might have because they do split flow and they do windbacks and things like that and it's difficult to process all of that at a time. So if you get beat by the Packers run game and you're the Bucks, I don't think it's because you're going to get mauled up front or you can't get off blocks or things like that. I think it's going to be because of the scheme, because you weren't ready for the scheme or something they threw you schematically. That's where Todd Bowles has to make sure his guys are ready. I don't think mano Imano. Yeah. I'm not worried about them like I'd even be worried about the Saints, you know, but I do think conceptually – the Packers are just very, very creative. It is hard to yeah. prepare for everything that they do. We talk about this, Scott, right? Like what are the things the Bucks need, need to do to have an offense that's worthy of the potential that they have? Well, let's do more motion. Let's do more right. play action. Let's do more first down passing. The Packers do all that stuff. Yeah, and they have really from the beginning of the season, and they've just gotten better and better and better and better and better and better. And so that's why it's like this juggernaut offense because – the Saints, you know, they do a lot of good things. They don't do any play action, so they didn't threaten the Bucks' play action at all. The Saints are one of the lowest play action teams in the league. And so it's kind of like this, okay, well, but the Packers do everything. So yeah. one of the keys, I think, Scott, I would tee off against the Packers play action. I wouldn't care if you miss a run and you miss a fit and you run by a couple runs, okay, maybe you have to adjust. I'd rather adjust to that than to Rodgers having all day in the pocket because you were reading run and right. you know, you got caught on a deep shot, nobody nobody anywhere near Rogers. Right. You're I tee off when he has his back turn trying to run through that through that yeah. pass protection.
1: Speaking of deep shots too, I mean Alan Lazard, who I, I I know from watching him at Iowa State for so many years in the Big Twelve, you know, he had a fifty-eight yard catch, a touchdown, Good uh course. averaged twenty-four point uh twenty-four yards per catch, uh four catches, ninety-six yards, uh really kind of upstage Devontae Adams uh in the last uh, playoff game, which was against the Rams when they, they advanced there. Um, he brings a different element because he's, he's just so big. Right. And, yep. and so it's one thing to sit there and say, okay, Devonte Adams, you know, they're going to try to force feed him the ball that didn't work out too well last time because both of Aaron Rodgers interceptions, including Jamel Dean's pick six mm-hmm. happened on throws to Devonte Adams, but whether it's, it's Marcus Valdez-Scanling Uh, who is kind of their their speed guy, averaging 20.9 yards per catch with six touchdowns, Uh, Robert Tanyan, the tight end, 11 touchdowns this year, uh, close to 600 yards receiving, or Alan Lazard, who's just a big dude who wasn't super effective during the regular season. He's kind of down there on the totem pole when it comes to, to targets. But the thing about Lazard is, is whether it's going to be Jamel Dean or Sean Murphy Bunting. This guy, I mean, he's 6'5", 227. I mean, he's, dude. he's he's mm-hmm. a Mike Evans. He's probably even bigger than Mike Evans because I think Mike yep. is down below 220 now. Um, but he's he's a he's a bit of a matchup problem for mm-hmm. Sean Murphy Bunting in the slot. If they put him there, if they put him on the outside, you know, Jamel Dean um, has got some size. But uh, they've got more ways than just Devontae Adams to beat you.
0: Right. This is this is also another element of the Packers. They the receivers block and they love to run screens. And Tunyon will yeah. block out there. They love wide receiver screens. The Bucs blew a couple of them up in the first game and played it really well. So you hope they're ready for them again. But again, this is a game. The Bucks won this game last time, I think, because they played really good press man defense. And then yes, they do. And
1: and that's what they have to do because John, they didn't no. do it in the first quarter. They switched to it and it worked swimmingly no. well. You know what, John? Um, who cares if if the Packers know it's coming? Right, because right. it worked last week when they played the Saints. That's right. what the Bucks do well. That's, right. that's the best thing they do is play press man. So yeah. do it. It's, right. just like it's just like like under yeah. under Monty Kiffin, the Bucks played the Tampa two, and they did mm-hmm. it really really well. Yeah. And it's hard to defend because that was a defense built with those types of players. Derek Brooks was the prototype weak side linebacker in the Tampa two. Rondé Barber was the prototype nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Right, Warren Sapp was the prototype three technique defensive tackle. Uh, John Lynch was the prototype strong safety enforcer type for that style of defense and it was predictable as hell but they were so good at it it didn't matter because right. you had to go up against the best players in the NFL doing what they were trained to do and and fit like a love in in terms of a scheme right and I think that, that you look back at the college careers at Auburn of Carlton Davis the third and Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting at, at Central Michigan, they played press man coverage. That's why mm. they were drafted. Put them in that scheme and look out because it's right. happened before swimmingly well.
0: Right. And you make life harder for play action passing. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just doesn't make any sense at all to do anything other than I mean, not the obviously games, you know, situations yeah, start long You've got second, to mix like, it
1: up. You've got to show different right, look. Right. Pro- primarily, you want your identity to, be, to yep. be that. Just just like, you know what? What's the identity for my bookie, John? The identity for my bookie is that's the place you go that's when right. you want to play bets, right?
0: You want to win money, go to mybookie.ag.
1: That's right. And what promo code do you use, John? When you, you use go to the my promo bookie
0: promo code Peter, Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R right. Scott. That's what you use.
1: That time of year when championships are decided, champions are crowned, legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs, and we're in the thick of it here in Tampa Bay. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, if you're not a Bucks fan, but now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere. My bookie. They're the industry's leading online sports book and casino. And it's not hard to understand why with thousands of lines to bet on, on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college basketball, check, check, check. How about MMA? How about soccer? Yeah, they got the latest odds period for all the sports. So, Take advantage of my bookies prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw touchdown is just another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand dollars. Just use the promo code pewter. Like John was talking about when you and your, when you and your friends make your first deposit, that's what you want to do pewter. And you get that deposit match halfway to a thousand dollars. The best part about it is they make it really simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. So whether you're at home or on the go or on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to log on to the MyBookie app and make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie.
0: You know, good point that was brought up, Scott, was talking about the Bucks in press man coverage, and you said it's just what they do best, and that why does that matter more than what the other t- what the opponents scheming to do? Well, I think there are certain situations and instances in which that does matter what the opponent's trying to do, and you do have to alter what your course is. But I just don't think this is one of those situations to me. Like this is a situation to me where you definitely want to play press man. A, the reasons we already talked about. B, Aaron Rodgers has destroyed zone coverages. Yeah. Now, Rodgers did, they did play zone a lot in the last game, although I, you're right, when they got the turnovers and everything, I think there was a lot of press man going on at that point in time, and Carlton definitely played some press man too, yeah. um, but the the Ted's article kind of surprised me. It said, uh, it's most the Bucks' most popular coverages against Rodgers in week six were cover three and cover mm-hmm. two, which the Bucs haven't even played that much cover two this season. Now, obviously, right. the game got out of hand fast. So I bet a good percentage of those snaps they were just in cover two to have two deep safeties because the Packers were going to be throwing. Oh, yeah, and if you're 28
1: points in the second quarter and have an eight-lead at halftime, then you're going to a little cover two.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) So you're going to be putting the second safety back there. But even so, I think they take away some value from the way that they covered the last time. I'm not saying it's going to be the same result. Packers have way more answers. Um, But I do think that that's how they'll come out and defend it. The curious thing, and what I'll ask Ted about tomorrow, is what he thinks about defending Devontae Adams. Is right. it Carlton Davis, just straight up on an island, which they yeah. have treated – they've had the most success when Carlton's played those types. I mean, he matched up with Devontae Adams and basically shut him down in the first matchup. Now, right. things got a hand for the Packers. It's not just – not, I'm not saying he's going to win every rep, but for the most part, when those two were matched up, Carlton won the matchup. The hilarious part about it is that I said on Twitter this week, I was like, if you're the box, you have to play press man. I yeah. think I have 50 replies from Packers fans, maybe yeah. more, because I muted it, right. but saying – yeah, please press Devonte and watch what happens. Not one mention of the fact that it already <laughs> happened in Week Six. It's not like this right. is a hypothetical situation. Like this is a situation that occurred and Davis gave yeah. up like 30 yards. So yeah. I don't know if they just blocked it out, or but I mean it doesn't mean that it'll happen again. But it's just funny to come in that confident when it already occurred. Right. But I think if you're the Bucks, that has to be kind of the strategy. And if it is, and if it's successful, every single one of those guys is getting retweeted onto the TL for all you Bucks fans to have fun with. So. That's the way that situation is going to go down if it happens. So
1: yeah, still a forecast for snow on Sunday, high of 28, low of 21 in green Bay with forecast of snow. So we'll see how much does snow. If it's going to be a little smattering, like it was when the Tennessee Titans ventured up North to Lambeau field, or if it's going to be like the snowball between the John Gruden led um, Oakland Raiders versus the Tom Brady led New England Patriots. Uh, back in the playoffs, uh, what, 2001, right? Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, so. I think so. Here's what I'll say back then too, Scott, about the passing, okay? Because I yeah. see people still asking questions about the passing and do you run it like, can the pass game get going? You know, Chris Godwin, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, is he going to catch the ball this week? And Is A.B. going to play and all those things? You know, why it matters so much more whether the Bucks passing game is good than the Bucks running game. The Bucks can run the ball well in the game but yeah. running plays, even when you're running it well, I think back to the. I think the most successful rushing game this season was the Ravens against the Steelers in week like seven or eight or something. And the Ravens obviously lost that game. They lost that game because when they got into situations where they had to throw the football, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do right. it when they had to drive at the end of the game with no time left and they were down. They couldn't do it in the red zone when they had a third downs in the red zone, and they also turned the ball over when they threw it. So, right. in other words, you can run the football well, and that can be a good thing. But at the end of the day, whatever you do in the passing game is going to be more successful. and going to it is going to create more offense for you because of the average length of the play and the amount of ground right. that you cover and the value of the play. So, why I like passing the ball so much more than running it, even if you can run the ball successfully, is because to achieve the most value you can, you want to use more of your plays for passing because of right. the chances of achieving higher value are higher. So, I say all that to say. I think that Bucks running the ball effectively is important in this game. But at the end of the day, if they throw 15 times, that is going to be what wins them or loses them the game, whether those 15 plays are successful. So if you throw it 30 times, you give yourselves more of a chance to find those successful plays that you need to win the game. And that's why it gets tricky with balancing all that out. If the Packers are literally like you're in 12 personnel and they're putting six guys in the box – you have to be able to run the football and you have to be able to get explosive yeah, to. plays when you run the football. You yeah. got to make some safeties mitts and your wide receivers got to right. crack some safeties and you got it. But if that's not the case, you need to throw the football and you need, and there's going to come a, time, a point in time in the game right. where you get into 12 personnel and they have six guys in the box mm-hmm. and they tackle you for a short gain. And you're going to have to pass the ball effectively. Right. In, in, in that
1: situation, John, what you're talking about, it becomes a wasted play, right? If yeah. you run, if, if you're, Running against uh, six, like, like, a you know, uh, a uh, a favorable run look, and you only get two yards or less, like, mm-hmm. it's really a wasted play. And right. I'm, I'm a big proponent in what Tampa Bay has done this year after the bye week, which is pass the ball on first down, run the ball on second down. Then you get into third and one, third and two. It's it's a running down. You can pass out of right. it, but for God's sake, don't go empty on third and two. Like, that's a dirt better <laughs> move that drives me nuts. Hate it. Wasn't
0: well, that? Did they do that on Leonard's touchdown? No, they weren't empty. Leonard came out yeah. of the backfield on
1: But that. I'm just saying, it's like like third and one, third and two, especially especially because Brady can sneak it successfully and, and convert right. a fourth and one. That's why I say third and two is a rundown right. because your chances of getting it are, are really good. I mean, the Buccaneer teams is averaging more than two yards per per run this year, mm-hmm. so the, the odds are in your favor. But but pass the ball on first down to get into those favorable short. Uh, the third and short situations animal. I right. uh, appreciate the super chat. Someone please explain this to me. Vita Veya was put on an IR. I thought he couldn't play for the entire season. Okay. So this year with COVID th- there, there've been some rule changes. Um, part of this is part of this is uh, uh rule changes that, that, that are kind of COVID related, right? If, if a player tests positive for COVID, um, then you can bring up some players on Saturday for the roster so you're not short, so you don't go below 46, right? There's, so there's there, there's some positives that have come out of this COVID situation as it pertains to the NFL, believe it or not. That's one of them. The other one is is having short-term um, or long-term injured reserve where uh, a player doesn't necessarily have to be gone the whole season. You can bring them back. And I always thought that, that – it's it's a it's a positive, it's a plus. Why would you want to put somebody on injury reserve? Like, for example, let's say they have a, a bad injury like Vita Vaya but there's a chance they could come back for for late December or January, in this case January for Vita, late mm-hmm. January. Um, it just penalizes the player. Like if you get hurt early in the season, or even if you even if you have like what's deemed to be an eight week injury, right? And you're in 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 week eight of the season you put that player into reserve. There's no chance for them to possibly come back, even though the timetable would be, yeah, by the by week 17 they could be ready to go for the playoffs. So I hope right. that some of these positive changes, like not having a preseason, you know, I I don't necessarily mind watching bad, uh, or, or I should say, not watching bad preseason football. Mm. Um, I'm fine with not having any more preseason games. Let's let's just go play college football is the same way, right? There's no preseason there. So, yeah,
0: I mean it's good for the undrafted guys, right? But it is, right, right. But I get what you're saying. Like for the for the teams, does it necessary? I don't know,
1: Like, Yeah, or, or or at least I'll say this: what COVID has has taught us is you can still have a successful 17 week football season, right? 16 games over 17 weeks, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not a detriment not to have a preseason. But what it certainly allows is it allows teams to sit there or the the league to say, you know what, maybe we don't need four preseason games. Maybe we could just do two, right? Right. And maybe maybe you, you limit your starters to play the half of one game. Then you basically have a game and a half where it's, it's your, your backups and reserves fighting for roster spots. I think that would be, that would be appropriate rather than having four preseason games.
0: Right. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Now I'll rewind real quick because I, this is a good question from somebody who I don't think totally understands it, but they said 177 memorabilia says Rojo averaged five yards per carry, LMAO. Oh, 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 oh. And they are saying this, I think, because uh, they're talking about how valuable the run game was in this game. Well, what my point is kind of on this is that Rojo, he actually averaged 4.8 yards per carry. But let's pretend he averaged five. We'll even bump it up for him. We're the rounding Bucks, up. Yeah. We're rounding up to help memorabilia here. The Bucks yeah. still averaged six yards per pass, So it still was more valuable for them to pass the ball on a game where they passed the ball horribly. (laughs) So it was like, and this is what I mean. It's like, it doesn't like you could say, Oh, they're playing too high. If you can pass the ball at all, it's more advantageous for you. And somebody else brought up the NFC championship game last year where the 49ers threw for like 80 some yards. Um, and and
1: you know, I, I think where, where the, the one thing, like we talked about like momentum, right. Momentum and heart and grit. You can't measure those things at the combine. Right. Yeah. There's so there's like
0: a mental edge to running the ball, is what you're saying.
1: Well, there's a mental edge, but there's also the clock factor too, because, it, you know, uh, depending on how the game flow is going, right? You, you Why do you see teams go to hurry up offense and they pass the ball, not run? Because the clock is their enemy at that point in time. They're trying to play catch up. Or right. if you have a lead, you're trying to salt the ball or salt the game away, you run the ball. Because you, you're not just trying to beat the other opponent, you're trying to beat the clock. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that sometimes is is, is where the, the run-pass thing that – like I, I get what you're saying. It, it is more advantageous from a statistical standpoint to pass the ball, right, because you're looking at the, at the exchange from right. six to four, right? And, and, and so you can get more yards there. However, you can get penalized in a clock standpoint um, if there's an incomplete pass.
0: Especially late in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Situation well, just,
1: there. Just like you can be penalized if you're trying to, um, you know, if you're trying to hit like a, a quick draw and rip off a 15 yard run mm-hmm. rather than throw the ball and, you know, and your running back gets tackled for two yards. Now all of a sudden you just wasted 30 seconds, mm-hmm. right? On a, on right. a little quick hitter draw you were hoping to hit, right? Where, where you might have, you might have been able to throw for 15 yards instead. Right.
0: Yeah. No, it's a good, it's a, it's a great discussion. It is. It's fun stuff. You know, the Packers 49ers game last year and the NFC championship game, I even wrote about the time, but I was like, man, this is probably the most, I mean, it's one of the most anomaly games that you'll see. So using it as a, as a, as a reference point is you have to recognize it as an anomaly, but even in that game, I mean, you're looking in that game, Raheem Mostert averaged almost eight yards a carry right. And Debo Samuel averaged 22 yards per carry. Yeah. So if you think that that's going to happen with the bucks, then yes, that's right. the best strategy. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't come out and hang your hat on it, but I mean, yes, San Francisco's run game. It is another level of beast, especially right. last year in terms of their scheme. So, right. Um, so, you know, here's,
1: here's something interesting too. We just have a question from Travis. Why are Super Bowl tickets so expensive? Well, uh, I just got, uh, an email from one of the, the the second market secondary market companies. This one's Ticket IQ, for example. And the secondary market, in other words, once the tickets go on on sale and then they are, you know, people try to make money off of them. Uh, the lucky people that will have Super Bowl tickets this year is is because of the reduced capacity. That's the biggest thing. Um, I, I think we're looking at twenty percent capacity for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I mean, something like that. Right? You're talking like 15,000 fans at the most. Well, that's why ticket prices range, and this is the secondary uh, market, from roughly $8,000 to $38,000 per ticket, per ticket. So th- that's why. It wouldn't be that high if you had 65 66,000 fans there. Right. But the reduced capacity this year, it's going to make it go up, up, up. So As hold well. on.
0: What did you say it was per ticket?
1: Between $8,000 and $38,000, depending on the location of the seat. 30000 for one ticket. Yeah.
0: Well, I can watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. People are crazy.
1: Exactly.
0: But what if it was like the Rams Patriots Super Bowl? Like, I couldn't live with the fact that I just spent thirty-eight K on a game like that. Yeah. That yeah, was, yeah. Right. Yeah. I we're, work, we're gonna we're gonna go 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 Fest. Yeah,
1: defensive game.
0: Yeah, I know. It was – yeah, and it was like tons of offensive mistakes too. Yeah. Um, Can we make sure Devin White drinks the Celsius before the game? He needs his energy. I don't think – man, you don't have to worry about that guy creating energy. Come on.
1: (laughs) He might drink Celsius, John, the way he he played against the Saints.
0: Yeah, Uh, he's always juiced. I I I don't worry about that. Will we see Shaq or Godwin bounce back this game now? To me, this is a game Godwin can thrive, right? Because the Packers are going to play a bunch of quarters and a bunch of stuff like that. The Mike Evans is going to be a decoy again. Like, if they're going to play a bunch of man, great. Mike Evans could 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 go off. It could be successful. Yeah. It didn't happen in the Saints game. Like I said, the Saints they did play a lot too deep. And you know, I thought they had shots at Evans in the game, but again, he doesn't he didn't separate from Lattimore. I watched the tape. I mean, yeah. I don't know what it is about Lattimore. I really don't, because it's just a just tough did.
1: matchup. Right. Just, it
0: is a tough right. matchup. I don't, yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, I think they don't vary his route tree enough, like, but he doesn't separate vertically from Lattimore. He doesn't beat him down the yeah. field like ever. Um, right. So I think in this game, he's not, Jair Alexander probably not going to follow him. He hasn't no, follow him last actually, time. Actually, I've
1: done some research on that. Jair Alexander is primarily a left corner right. and they didn't really match up a whole bunch. Cause when you think about it from, from the cornerback perspective. So the left side of the defense. So that means he's facing the receivers on the right. That's typically been Scotty Miller, uh, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, on occasion when he's not in the slot, that's usually that Z-wide receiver, that, that uh, uh, flanker, if you will, right. right? The split end, which is the X receiver, that's what Mike plays. That's why Mike typically lines up on the left side of the offense, and, um, and that's usually away from the tight end, uh, unless they're in 12 personnel. But, but typically, Mike will line up on the left side. So that's why you didn't see a whole bunch of Jair Alexander versus Mike Evans in the first go-round. Uh, you didn't see much of Mike Evans, period. He only had one catch for 10 yards. So they didn't really need him. He was banged up at the time. If you remember, that's that's coming right off of that short week where they played the Chicago Bears. Um, and and then that week before against the Chargers is where Mike had that bad ankle sprain. So mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Godwin. Chandon Sullivan is really the guy that is their slot cornerback. And you talk about a favorable matchup there. Six pass breakups, one interception. Um, I, I think Godwin, you know, can have his way. Uh, he does have some decent size five eleven, one eighty nine. He's not like a like a little bit of a, of a smurfy guy by any means. But just mm-hmm. looking back at what Godwin did, uh, five catches, forty eight yards. I don't think Chris Godwin was was fully healthy either at that point in the season mm-hmm. because he had that that um, hamstring injury a couple weeks prior against uh, Denver.
0: Right. Right. I mean, to me. <laughs> Again, the Packers aren't going to play man cover like not like the Saints did, but the Brady's that numbers are actually worse against zone this season. But I haven't really witnessed that personally. I don't. I mean, not that his, his numbers are good. Period. So maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. But I, 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 I think Brady's fine against zone. I'm not really that worried about that exchange, you know, for Brady. But for the guys, for the receivers, I think yeah, it's interesting because if they are going to play mostly zones, then I can see you know Mike Evans if he's still using mostly vertically, yeah. then I can see him having some. Not issues, I guess, in this game, but I could see them just going to other people. And the middle of the field is where you can beat Green Bay. Like their linebackers yeah. have never been that great in coverage. Um, their nickels, their inside corners that they play with uh, nickel or dime, uh, Will Redmond or Chan and Sullivan are not that good. And their outside corners don't really move inside very often, or at least they weren't early in the season. I haven't looked in the last couple games, but um, so I, I think that that's where your matchups are, and that's where the Bucks the Bucks are strong there, right? Like them play everybody inside now that Mike Evans has learned to play inside. But Gronk had a big game last time. I think Gronk can have a big game again. I think Cam yeah. Brady's catching fire at the right time, and so offensively, there's some things that make sense in this matchup mm-hmm. for the Bucs to continue to play out of twelve. I, I don't know that you need to play out of twelve with Joe Hague, but I, I mean, because the member, the Packers defense doesn't blitz like they're like they blitz very few yeah. times ever. Twenty second in blitz rate yes. this season. Pro Bowl Reference numbers. They're also. So 26th and pressure rate. So that has to continue. Yeah. They're getting a little bit better pressure now than they were early in the season. Bucks have to solve that and stop it. Like right. if well, Brady has time in this game, that's what they need. They need him to be able yeah. to make big plays.
1: Darius Smith, 12 and a half sacks this year. He's he's their 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 main pass rusher. Rashawn Gary, five sacks during the regular season. He came on last week for sure. Preston Smith, the other Smith, four sacks. Um yeah, Adrian Amos is an interesting cat because. Uh, He he's a little bit like Harrison Smith in that he will blitz, and he's also pretty decent in coverage, Um, whereas you've got a a little bit more with Darnell Savage of of the coverage ability. He has leads the team with four interceptions. Uh, But, you know, we're talking about coverage, John, and you know who's got the best coverage of all? Oh, Briar Greaves. You're damn Briar Greaves. And listen, what a world uh, – I should say, what a year for the insurance world, right? I mean, a record number of named storms, over 30 – Name storms this year, um, flooding across the country, wildfires out west, not to mention the pandemic. With the commercial property and homeowner rates, uh, they're going through the roof, right? Uh, across the industry because of these catastrophes. So it's important that you shop for the best rate. Do what I did call Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves has got numerous carriers and different options to help new and existing clients that have been affected by these increases. Although these catastrophes have caused billions in losses, water damage from pipes breaking, washing machines, ice makers, hoses leaking, water heaters bursting, those are the, the number one claims for homeowners. Breyer will, will make sure that your existing policy is up to par. And uh, if you don't have the right coverage, he'll tell you where you need to increase your coverage. It's not just the best pricing, it's about the amount of coverage because that Ultimately at the end of the day is what you're buying. You're buying insurance coverage. So you want to make sure that you've got the proper amount of coverage. Personal and commercial auto insurance is another line of the business that the Briar Graves handles. And they can shop your personal or commercial auto insurance through numerous carriers like Progressive, MetLife, Safeco, Allstate, just to name a few. Life insurance is also being purchased at record-breaking numbers this year. And you think about it with, with COVID pandemic. It makes a lot of sense. If you're in good health, medical exams can usually be waived as a requirement, and that can accelerate the life insurance purchase to protect families. So the folks at Greaves Insurance, not only are they big Bucks fans and proud sponsors of the, the Pewter Report podcast, they're experts in the field of insurance. They've been doing it for over 30 years in the Tampa Bay area. So do what I did. Visit BriarGreavesInsurance.com or give Briar or Sam a call at 813 876 Four one six six. That's 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com.
0: One of the things that's fascinating about this game, Scott, is whether the Bucs can hit explosive plays in the passing game. They won against the Saints despite being one for seven on throws of 20-plus yards down the field. Now, you can argue four of those throws could have been caught. I mean, both the ones to Gronk, the one of God went down the seam that was back shoulder with the safety closing. I watched yeah. that throw today and I was like, holy God. I mean, Brady can just rip it, man. Like, yeah. I, I have been, it's been so much fun to watch him. But anyway, John,
1: did it surprise you that, that he and Gronk were the guys that were, were not connecting on the, the deep throws?
0: That's been the whole season. Right. That's what's funny. Like, yeah. Gronk is going to have like one of the worst. Completion like uh, percentages on throws his right. direction. Everybody yeah. else numbers are up from where they've been with the. Right. Remember when
1: he didn't score a touchdown and and uh, he was wide open in the back of the end zone against Denver. Yes, week three and Brady just missed him. It's like yeah,
0: Brady overthrew him right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> everybody remember the one to Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, Like you've thrown more passes by far right.
1: to Rob Gronkowski.
0: Do you remember the first drive against the Vikings? Remember? Yeah. he's He yeah, yeah. overthrows him. Do you remember against the Panthers in the end zone? It was on like one of the first drives of the third quarter, I think, or maybe it was the second quarter. Is it in Carolina
1: or the one? in, in Carolina, Carolina?
0: It was the second right. one in Carolina. The yeah, one where yeah, they scored on yeah. every possession. They scored a field goal on the drive, right. but he dropped back. He had to reset. I think through deep Gronk was open between the safeties, overthrew him. Uh, yep. There was another one too. Um, This, the first, the week nine saints game. Week 9 Saints game, Bucks are already down big. There's a fourth down play. Again, he's under pressure, but Brady yeah. threw it deep just outside or out of Gronk's reach down. So it is – it's so funny. I mean, everybody else, Mike yeah. Evans, Chris Godwin, their completion percentage, like their catch percentage, I mean, is like sky high. Gronk's like the lowest you see. seen. And so it's hilarious yeah. in some ways. It wasn't as funny the other day. I thought he gave him two balls he could catch that were really t- tight windows, throws, yeah. and, you know, it was just off a little bit. I actually like the process on both of those plays. You just miss them sometimes, you know, and that's yeah. fine. You know, you go back, and it wasn't like early in the season when he was overthrown by a lot. But I again, this is funny. I don't has Brady underthrown anybody all year. I mean, it's either on the money or overthrown. Like,
1: yeah, everybody. that's true.
0: Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's underthrown a ball. It's crazy. The, yeah. the, the flea flicker to Justin Watson, probably the only one I can remember. Yeah, that he underthrew. But that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think in this game, I bet you're going to see some of the same things. I think you're going to see. The Packers playing deep coverages like the Saints were, especially in past obvious situations, or maybe just saying, go ahead, run it, Bucks." I don't think they're going to be as good at stopping the run as the Saints were when the Bucks do run it. But I think they say that, and I bet what ha- was happening with the Saints, their safeties were crashing every anything that was over route. The Packers are, ju- are going to make the same adjustment, I bet. Remember how Gronk beat them with the over route several times in the yeah. second half? Mm-hmm. I think they make the same adjustment. They go to Either going to cut Gronk with the safety, but the outside vertical is going to have a shot to win down the field. When Brady yeah. took the shot to Mike Evans, it was that concept. Chris Godwin had an over route from the opposite side of the field. Malcolm Jenkins, I believe it was, was a safety. He stepped on Godwin. It was a one on one Evans and Lattimore. You put it up. You hope for a penalty. You contest right. catch. You know you don't. You put it in a spot. You don't think it's going to get picked. You take that shot on the first down. Yeah. Same thing later in the game when Chris Godwin dropped the touchdown. The safety stepped on the on the dig route by Gronkowski. I think it was Gronk. And he went deep, one-on-one, Godwin. Godwin beat the guy. Perfect ball while Brady was getting hit by Cam Jordan, right in his hands. And again, that should be the touchdown. Those are the plays, Scott, you have to hit in this game if you yeah. want to win. The one-on-one to Gronk on the outside on the first drive of the game. You can't miss those plays yeah. in this game. You can say, oh, a little bit better ball, a little bit better catch. I just don't think you're going to get the four turnovers. And so you have to hit the big right. plays when they have the opportunities to hit them they just missed them a few times. It wasn't like it was horrible. It was just missed them by a little bit in that game, and those plays would have changed. I mean, that Godwin touchdown, that changed the whole game. You know, you so right. you have to hit those against the Packers because I don't think they're the better team. So you have yeah. to, you have to make those explosive plays. John, you
1: know what Wednesday is on Peter Report, right? When we do the podcast, it means oh, yeah. it's our prediction podcast. It's our preview and prediction podcast. Now the cool thing is we do a thing on Friday called the. Pewter Preview and Predictions, where it's not just my prediction and John's. We also include Mark and Taylor and Matt, so make sure you read that. i got a new SRS Fab 5 coming out on Friday, so that's on tap. Uh, John is going to be having Ted Wynn as a guest tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And If you haven't done so already, go to Peter Report's YouTube channel. It's Peter Report TV. Make sure you click subscribe. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers, so if you haven't done that yet, help us get to that number. Uh, we've had a meteoric rise, not just in the number of views for each podcast, thanks to you guys, but also super chat donations, which are really cool, and also a number of subscribers. So make sure you you uh, help us out there. Subscribing is free, by the way, in YouTube, so it uh, doesn't mean you have to pay a dime. Just hit that, then hit notifications, and then every time we're live, you get that notification, which is super duper cool. So, John. We talk about predictions. It is time for our predictions. But before we get to the bucks packers prediction, let's do something a little different this week.
0: Yeah, put it off a little bit longer, please. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, let's, let's look at the AFC Championship game because if the Buccaneers are going to win and prevail, they're going to be playing either the Bills who are visiting the Chiefs. Interestingly enough,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all four of these teams, Packers and Bucks, Chiefs and Bills, they played each other. In week yeah. six. The same right. game this week was the same games played in week six. It's just different venues, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm going to start first. I think I think that the Bills upset the Chiefs. Whoa. I do. I think the okay. Bills upset the Chiefs. Now, uh, being a Kansas City guy, I rooted for the Chiefs last year. I grew up in Kansas City. Uh, I don't really have, like, an allegiance to the Chiefs. I don't follow them anymore. But – it was cool to see the Chiefs, my old hometown team, win the Super Bowl. So I don't mm-hmm. like to to bet against them or pick against them necessarily, but you know me, I picked against the Bucs last week because I thought the Saints had their number. They proved me wrong, which was awesome. But something about this Bills team, John, they're mm-hmm. gritty, they play excellent team defense. Their team defense is fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think they almost had a chance to beat them. Remember that was a close game. Yep. 26-17 uh, out there in, and they didn't play
0: well offensively at all.
1: They didn't play well offensively, but Josh Allen, I think has taken his game to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell you, Patrick Mahomes, if he plays in this game, whether it was the carotid artery, uh, concussion he got, or there's something wrong with his foot. He's got like a a toe issue. Um, I, I think he's a, a bit wounded. Um, I don't like picking against the chiefs, but there's something about this bill's team. And Josh Allen's made me a believer. Uh so I think I think the the Bills upset the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Right.
0: I don't. I think the Chiefs win that game. Yeah. I okay. I, I do I agree with you. The Bills could win. I, I don't think that there's any there's no take in these situations that is hot, in my opinion. I yeah. I really think that anything if you'd have said the Browns beat the Chiefs last week, I'd have said that's hot, man. Like I yeah. don't think I can go there. Even the Rams, Packers, the longer that week went on, I was like, there's just no way. Like they're not gonna win this game. Yeah. Now the Bills can win this game. The Bills have to have Patrick Mahomes be a little bit off, which he's, right. he got hurt. He's been yep. hurt. He's not been 100% for sure. Um, The Chiefs really haven't taken anybody out lately. I mean, they really haven't. They haven't they've played like their B-minus game and yep. haven't lost with their starters. So I, I yep. don't know whether that's good news or bad news or horrible news for everybody else. But um, I think the Chiefs' ability to get pressure is going to be big. Spags is mm-hmm. – you can say you know whatever you want about Spags, but he right. knows how to get pressure and he knows how to create yeah. it. He'll blitz, he'll move people around. That to me, when I watch the Bills, I can't believe how much time Josh Allen has. And then I looked at the stats right. and I'm like, this guy's like the longest time to throw in the entire <laughs> in the entire league. I mean, so yeah, um, no. He's and he, he's he
1: got a rapport can. with
0: Gabriel Davis. He's got a rapport with Stephon
1: Diggs. These guys yeah. are making plays for Josh oh, Allen out yeah.
0: I agree. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that, you know, if the Chiefs went out there and said, we're just going to man up on everybody, you know, they're going to get destroyed. But Spags has a plan and they know how to get pressure. And again, the Chiefs will let you run the ball on them. That's always the thing because they know offensively they can score enough points. If you put them in an aggressive mode for whatever reason you get down like they did last year in the playoffs, like twice, they know they can come back. So they're not even worried about it. Yep. but the Bills don't run the ball, so yeah. I think they're going to play right into the Chiefs' hands, and that's my my concern about. It. Not that I think they should run it a ton, but I think the Chiefs yeah. will be ready enough. Right. Bills will so be better offense than last time, but the
1: Chiefs. I doing. got the Bills now. What everyone's been waiting for, <laughs> the Bucks Packers prediction. We've already previewed it, so I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Ryan Suckup in the snow. Last second field goal is good. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl. They're going to beat the Green Bay Packers 30-27 to 27 off a Ryan second field goal. And why is that important? Because, John, when this Buccaneer team scores 30 points or more, they're undefeated this year. That's mm-hmm. the target number. Get to 30 and they win the game. They're going to do it in the last minutes with a Ryan seckup field goal.
0: Interesting. Well, I've thought about this a lot. My wife has texted me three times watching the show. Don't do it because she knows. Because I've All right.
1: While John is hemming and hawing, I want every Buccaneer fan to light us up here. Give us your predictions, okay? Let's go. Okay. Go so ahead, John.
0: I just think the Packers are going to win the game. I mean, I I could sit there and lie to you, and I could compromise my integrity as a journalist, and I could say, I think the Bucks will win this game just to get everybody to rah-rah and like me, but I promise I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I'm always going to keep it 100 with y'all, uh, and I'm going to keep it 100. I think the Packers are just the better team this year. Next year, I think the Bucs have a chance. This year, I think they have a chance. They can ab- they can absolutely win this game. There's no question about that in my mind. I wouldn't have said that a couple weeks ago, but if you would have told me the Bucs have a great chance of winning the NFC Championship game a couple weeks ago, I would have said they're not ready for that yet. They're more ready than I thought they would be at this point. This is further along than I thought. I think a lot of us thought this team yeah. would be at this point. The Packers are just a machine right now. I mean, and their defense is playing better than they've played all season long. They're figuring out how to get pressure. Their safeties are playing way better than they were early in the season. That's been huge against teams like the Bucs and Arian's scheme because he loves to hunt those big plays. I just think they're playing lights out right now. Rodgers is – he is in the zen place, man. Uh, He really is. And I think their offense is clicking. All the weapons are clicking. The protection, the scheme is better than any other scheme right now, I think. In the NFL offensively this season. Uh, and when you talk put the talent on top of it, it's just a huge task. It's a huge task, I think. So I think the Bucs can win it. Again, have to get pressure on defense, have to hit big plays on offense in the passing game. Can't survive underneath and Cam Braid have 50 yards and Vladimir Ford at 44 and be your leading receivers for the game. Not gonna work. Not the way the Packers machine is going with Rogers at the helm. So Bucks can win it. I think Packers win it. I think it's a close game. I think it's 31 to 27, Packers win the game. Okay. All right. I know that I I am 17 to 1 this season, but here's the thing I am due for a loss. I'm due to take it out. So, this is everyone should be happy about this. But my wife, it's so funny. My wife, I'm talking to her about it because I literally think about it all week. And I'm talking to her about it and I'm like, I think I'm going to pick the Packers. Well, the I'm reason
1: choosing. why I'm picking the Bucks is not to be a homer. I actually think they can do it because,
0: right. they, you actually do. Right. because you
1: Aaron they've done it before. And I think they right. got over the psychological hurdle. Um, I think and not, not that it's all downhill from here, but I just, it, this, this season in so many ways parallels 2002 for me, right. beating the Eagles, won the Buccaneers, the Super Bowl the next week. Right. I think beating the Saints will win this game for the buccaneers against the packers i think they go to green bay with an immense amount of confidence on both sides of the ball
0: You probably can't see this my wife don't do it don't do it <laughs> <laughs> see i told her earlier this week i said i think i'm going to i think i'm going to pick the packers i really think they're go- i think they're the best team in the nfl right now and yeah. she was like are you kidding me she was like are you ki-? she was literally mad at me that I was picking the Packers in this game. So Bucks fan, he's on your side. Maybe Scott can have her on the podcast since y'all probably won't let me back. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just being honest. I think the Packers are the better team. I hope so bad that I'm wrong. You have no idea. Well, you know what,
1: John? One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong, and we're going to talk about it Sunday evening after Mm -hmm. the Bucks. I think, beat the Packers up in Green Bay. Um, So for John Ledyard, I'm Scott Reynolds. Be sure to to tune in tomorrow night at 7.30 with John and and Ted Wynn talk more Bucks Packers. Uh, But otherwise, we will see you Sunday evening, about 30 minutes after the game. we got to have time to talk to Bruce and Tom and and all of the Buccaneer players uh, after their big win. So uh, for John, I'm Scott, and we'll see you uh, next time on the Pewter Report podcast. Out.